So when I nod, maybe he'll stop. Everyone knows Christians never doubt. How often have you come to church on a Sunday morning and, and the leader has said, has anyone got something to share? And, and somebody gets up and says, yeah, I'm just not really sure that God's there this morning. It never happens, does it? Has anyone ever come to church feeling like that? And is brave enough to put their hand up? Churches are meant to be places of truth. And when we follow Jesus who says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. But in practice, there are often elephants in the room that we don't talk about. And one of those elephants is, is doubt. We, we, we all play act. Oh, no Christian ever struggles with this. Doubt is just one of them. There's, there's quite a few. Probably you can sit there going, yeah, well, I'm not ever going to mention that because I know nobody else would understand because, you know, I'm unique. So today we're going to look at doubt, and next week we're going to look at something positive. And the week after that we're going to look at depression, and then we'll look at something positive after that. And then we'll look at death, because we don't like talking about death. And then the week after that we'll look at something positive again. So we're going to, we're going to put alternating between uh, things we struggle with and reasons why we should rejoice. Uh, but we're going to look today at the question of, of doubting. I wonder whether one of the reasons we don't like talking about doubts publicly is because <coughs> we're afraid. We're afraid of having our own trust in Jesus challenged. You heard of people going, you know, I, I'm not going to go and see that movie because it might challenge my faith. It, it might cause me to question. Or I'm not, going to, I'm not going to think about that because, you know, it, it, it makes me question God. The thing is, when, when we have that sort of attitude, what we're really saying is, my faith is pathetically weak. And anything will crumble it. And actually, it cannot stand up to scrutiny. And the point of today is to say, if the one thing that I want you to go home with is that Jesus must stand up to scrutiny. If what we are doing here does not stand up to all and any questions, then we're idiots and we shouldn't believe it. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If he's not true at some point, he's not true at any point. And is this an easy thing to do? Of course it's not an easy thing to do. It's a really difficult thing to do. Uh, one of my uh, podcasters, I might have shared this story, Phil Vision, the guy who does VeggieTales and what's in the Bible, he on his podcast had an atheist, Peter Bogosian, on, and this atheist bloke thought, right, I'm going to get this guy, I'm going to trick him into, I don't know, giving up his faith or something. And he said, Phil, how sure are you that everything you believe is true? about Jesus and about God. And Phil Bishop, who's a great Christian man, said, you know what? Greater than 50% today. And he says sometimes he has, somebody throws a zinger of an argument at him and he might dip down to 49% and, and then he has to go and talk to someone. He has to push the questions. He has to ask. He has to search. 
because if it's not true, then he's not going to waste his time. And, and that's what I want to ask us today. You know what? When, when people push back at our faith, we don't step back so that, we, so that the edifice doesn't crumble. We step forward and we ask the questions because if Jesus is true, nothing can crumble the, the edifice. Well, I've just summarized the sermon. We might as well stop there. <coughs> we can try and suppress our doubts. Have you ever done that? I'm not going to think about that. That makes me feel uncomfortable. The problem with suppressing anything is it becomes a ticking time bomb. It will come up and then down the track somebody will say, you know what, I was thinking about this and then you go, oh man, I never dealt with that. And it's like explosion. I mean, there's various reasons why we end up doubting. We, we can doubt for intellectual reasons. There are some wonderfully clever people who argue against God with some wonderfully clever arguments. Ultimately, I don't think they stack up, but they might cause you to doubt. It can be that we doubt because of something that happens to us, because of the experience of our lives, the, the death of a loved one. Why would God do that? If, if God's so good, he would never do that. If God was so good, I wouldn't be sick, so I'm just going to give up on him. Maybe our doubts are emotional. Maybe we can doubt because we don't want God to actually be God. I'm quite happy living my life like this, going on in this kind of a way. If God's real, then, then God's going to have to deal with that. And, and I don't want God to deal with that. So it's actually nicer for me to doubt God. So I'm going to enjoy doubt. I'm going to feel uncomfortable. But at least God's not going to have to deal with the stuff that I don't want him to deal with. We are tricky people. <clears throat> Some people want to believe in God. Other people don't want to believe in God. And if you don't want to believe in God, you will find reasons not to believe in God. Philip Yancey says that God doesn't give us so much evidence for himself that we are forced to fall on our knees in trust of him. If we saw God face to face, we would fall on our knees and go, wow, you are God. In fact, the Bible says that when Jesus returns, that's what's going to happen. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, because we will all see Him face to face. But until then, God doesn't give us that amount of evidence for Himself. But He gives us enough. He gives us enough that we can go, yes, you are God. But if you don't want to, you can go, well, I don't have enough. And you can choose to doubt. Doubting, by the way, is not an unforgivable sin. It's not like God will look at you and go, well, you doubted once when you were 15 and once when you were 24 and once when you were 25 and 26 and once this morning and twice yesterday. And so I'm going to drop you from the team. It was nice knowing you. Would you please hand in your badge at the front desk? I mean, it's true that if we, if we don't deal with our doubts, they can fester and turn toxic. I've got some knowing smiles nodding there. But doubt can also be addressed. And we can learn to trust God despite our doubts. And we can learn to trust God even while we doubt. 
the trick, <coughs> or one of the tricks, is to be an equal opportunity doubter. I, I forget if it was John Ortberg or Dallas Willard, or I think it was one of those two who said it. We should doubt our doubts. We should doubt our doubts. So we, we usually doubt our beliefs and believe our doubts. <coughs> but we should also doubt our doubts and believe our beliefs. And one of the things Pam suggested is read the stuff that you know. And if you read that and go, well, I'm not sure I know this now, at least you know that you knew it when you wrote it down. And you doubt your doubts. David does this in the Psalms. Why are you so downcast, my soul within me? He's looking at himself going, you feel pathetic. But why? You've got to answer me. Why are you like this? Says him to himself. You know, as long as we have faith, we are going to wrestle with doubts. I'm stealing some money from the offering bag. Just in case you can't see that. I will put it back later. <laughs> if I remember. Well, I will check. I'm going to get Pam to make sure I do. I would like a volunteer, please. Any volunteer? I, I just, it's a simple thing. Let, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Who believes that I have $5 in my hand? Who believes I've got five dollars in my hand? Not necessarily, because you didn't look in the bank. Well, let, let's see who believes I've got. Fran, Fran, would you come up to the front? Fran, you have faith that I've got five dollars in my hand. Yep. Okay, I'm going to destroy your faith. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what I'm going to do? What have I just given you? Five dollars. Do you still have faith that I had five dollars in my hand? Yep. No, you don't. You're, you don't have faith that I had five dollars in, in my hand. Now I know. Now you know. You can do with that what you want. Oh, what a lovely lady. <laughs> faith is gone because you no longer don't know. You cannot have you don't have to trust something if you know it. One Corinthians, Paul says, these three remain faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And do you know why faith is not the greatest? It's because faith diminishes. Now we see through a glass darkly, or in a mirror darkly, then we will see him face to face. We will know God. Not completely, because for God's God, we will never be God, but we will know Him to such a great degree than we do now. But now we have to trust Him. <laughs> Who believes that I've got twenty dollars in my hand? Anyone? Mark? Mark? Yeah. 
So you have faith that I've got twenty dollars in my hand? Absolutely, because you're a lovely fellow. Okay. <laughs> shall, I, shall I destroy his faith? Yeah. You're a rat bag. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Going back. <laughs> I, I, I heard this illustration from John Ortberg and I loved it and I wanted to show it to you guys because faith is necessary when there is not knowledge. And it also depends on the person that you're trusting. I can be a rat bag. The question is whether God is worth trusting when He says He's there, He loves us, He's rescued us, and that He is for us. Yeah. There we go. Having doubts, by the way, doesn't mean that you can't have faith. But you can choose whether you will trust or not. Um, It's based not on a complete knowledge. We don't trust God because we know Him completely. We don't trust God because we, we know everything about Him. We trust God on the basis of what we know of Him. We trust God on the basis of what He has done actually in history. It's one of the reasons why I would say Christianity is the religion or the option or the truth to go and base your life on because it's based in history. We trust God not just because some person wrote and said do this, but because God actually acted in history. Our faith, our trust rests on evidence that is historically there. Mainly the resurrection. I love the fact the Bible keeps going on about how many people were eyewitnesses to Jesus raised from the dead. So let's go to to Peter. Our mate Peter, sitting there, not this one. Um, It's actually interesting, we were at men's breakfast the other week and we were there next to the inlet of Mandurah. And as we walked out to, to have our devotion, Corey shared and Red shared for us, we walked out there and we jokingly said, ha ha ha, let's just walk out on the water and have it there, ha ha ha, aren't we funny, clever blokes? And we were all having a joke because we're all not idiots and we all know that none of us can actually walk on the water, so ha ha ha, what a nice story. Here it's been this incredible day. Jesus has fed the crowds, amazing things has happened, have happened, and Jesus goes to pray. Uh, we, we've said the disciples are out on the lake, they, they're experienced fishermen, a lot of them. They're about, what, five k's away from the shore, they're fighting the waves, and they see this figure walking towards them through the waves. And I mean, what would you think? I'd probably be sitting there going, I knew there was something funny about that fish in the brain. But all of them are seeing this figure and, and they go, "What? this must be a ghost. I don't know, but I, I don't think they saw many ghosts. Yeah, at all. But they looked at them and went, well, we know people don't walk on water. That's impossible, so let's forget that. Ghost? must be a ghost. And, and they're, they're frightened. They're, they're terrified. And this figure calls out and says, you know, don't, don't worry, I am his I am his, his. We're not sure if Jesus is making a special statement saying, I am God is here. It's the name of God in the Old Testament. But Jesus is saying, here I am. And um, 
It sounds like Jesus. Looks a bit like him. It's his way of speaking, but still, it's not possible, is it? People don't walk on water. Especially not waves like this. <clears throat> and they doubt that it is Jesus. Uh, I read commentaries and stuff, and a lot of them, you get the impression they don't like the, the kind of fact that they seem to doubt. They, they try and word it nicely, but for me, as I read Peter's question to Jesus, it's not a question of, wow, it's you, Jesus, this is incredible. One guy said that Peter means, since it's you, Jesus, I'd read that and I'd go, Peter saying, if it is you, if it is you, prove it. Tell me to come to you. I'm not convinced. It looks like you, it sounds like you, I think it's you, but I don't have absolute certainty here, Jesus. So, would you mind proving to me that it is you? Uh, and, and let's just, as only Peter does, he says, okay, let me walk on the water, Jesus. Uh, Jesus is walking on the water by the power of the Spirit. Peter knows that the Spirit can enable him to walk on the water as well. And he says, okay, Jesus, if you really are who you say you are, tell me to come out. <coughs> and Jesus says, maybe with a smile on his face, I don't know. Come on out, Peter. Yeah, or be of, be of good cheer is, uh, is be, be courageous. Yeah. <coughs> so at this point, do all of Peter's doubts disappear? He goes, well, Jesus said, walk out of the, walk out of the boat. And so, yeah, I believe him completely. That's fine. You can come in now, Jesus. That's okay. I believe you. Well, I don't think all of his doubts miraculously disappear. I mean, how did he know that it actually was Jesus out there saying, okay, come and, come and join me? The evidence is that people don't walk on water. Uh, I believe there are two people ever recorded walking on water, and they're both in this story over here. But he also knew that Jesus wasn't an ordinary person. He'd seen Jesus do some amazing stuff. He, he had with this realization beginning to grow in him that Jesus was God incarnate, God made human. And so he doesn't know with 100% certainty that it's Jesus saying, get out of the boat, And yet he gets out of the You know, at some point we have to look at our doubts and our questions and decide what we are going to do. Jesus isn't going to come to us one day and say, did you doubt or did you just have a hundred percent of a simple faith? He's going to say, well, did you follow me? Did you trust me enough to actually get out of the boat and follow me? I can admire the, the person who says, the Bible says that I believe it done. I just don't believe there are many people like that. Most of the time, the decision to get out of the boat and actually follow Jesus is one where you go, I have to decide. On the basis of what I know, I'm going to risk doing this. Peter would have weighed up his decision there. I might start sinking. Good thing the boat's right here and the blokes can pull me back in. In that case, we know it's not Jesus. 
But he says, I'm going to risk it. He gets out of the boat and he starts walking towards Jesus. <clears throat> and in the same way, we have to trust that Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. That God is there. That God is there for us. Do we have 100% certainty? 100% knowledge? No. Because we're not God. And because we live in a broken world and we don't see God face to face, but can we still choose to actually act and trust on God? Yes. Based on what we know of Him. I'm not talking about being an idiot, I'm talking about weighing the evidence. Peter took this huge risk of stepping out of the boat, not because he was a spiritual giant, but because he was willing to bet his life on what he knew of Jesus. And he was betting his life. You do not step out of a boat into a storm without some element of risk. And he walked on the water. But there is a difference, of course, between Peter and Jesus, isn't there? Jesus, who is God, knows God absolutely, trusts God absolutely, knows that God can do anything, that by the Spirit, uh, remember Jesus had given up uh, his right to exercise his divinity, and so he was walking there by the power of the Spirit of the Lord. He knew that God was doing this. This was totally okay. Nothing is impossible for God. Jesus is walking on the water because he knows God. He doesn't have to put his faith in God. He just knows God. Peter, on the other hand, he's taken this huge risk. He stepped out. He's gone a few steps. We don't know how far he gets. <coughs> he is a doubting walker. A doubting water walker, even. And soon enough, what he what he really believed to be true took over and he looked at the waves and he looked at the storm and he said, okay, this is so much fun, I think I'm sinking now. He had that sinking feeling. And he screams out. I, I wish ridding ourselves of doubt was as simple as just stepping out of the boat. As simple as just saying, well, I'm going to act on the basis of what I know. But that doesn't rid us of doubt because we don't know God completely. Because we are broken people and our sinful nature screams at us and says, you can't trust God completely. And that's what our sinful nature says. You are in charge, you can't trust God completely. Do what you want, not what God wants. And it shows us the evidence that says you have no hope and takes our eyes off the evidence that says, but God can do anything. Peter screams out and Jesus reaches up, grabs him. That's grace, that's kindness. But if you've ever wondered if doubt means that God lets go of you, so if you doubt, God will drop you like a stone. Here's the answer. When you doubt, God reaches out and grabs hold of your hand. God is stronger than our doubts, even when it feels like we're drowning. I mean, sure, if, if we start sinking and say, well, I knew it, this must all be false, 
I will not call out for help because there's no one to help me. Well, you're going to, you don't reach out your hand, you're going to drown. Doubt can go toxic. But I believe Peter teaches us that what we've got to do in our doubts is not say, well, I knew it in the, and might as well just die now. What, what Peter teaches us is to reach out and say, Jesus, help. And Jesus helped in many ways. Jesus helped directly. Or go to Pam and say, Pam, would you read that verse to me again? Or go to your, your, your other Christian friends and say, would you help me with this? I've got this question. You know, you know the interesting thing is that chances are somebody in the church has had the same question that they've had to face in their life. Because you're not as unique as you like to think you are. And then we have to reach out to Jesus. We have to doubt our doubts and weigh the facts. And then I love what happens next. Jesus takes Peter, they step into the boat, the storm goes quiet immediately. Which is interesting, just a little side note there. All of this walking on the waves is in the middle of the storm. The storm's still raging until Jesus gets into the boat. And as he gets into the boat, he turns to Peter and says, Ah, you little faith. Why did you doubt? Well, the word doubt, they can also mean hesitate. Why did you hesitate? Why did you doubt? If, if you were in that boat, one of the other 12 disciples, and Jesus was there, how would you feel when Jesus turns to Peter, who actually got out of the boat, and says, you little faith person? I'd be sitting there going, yeah, well, keep the attention on Peter, because quite frankly, I didn't even have the guts to get out of the boat. I think more often we're like the others than we are like Peter. But we're also like Peter because he did have little faith. He risked, he trusted God, but he also didn't trust God completely. The antidote, what is the antidote to little faith? The antidote to little faith is, I want to say something slightly ironic here, I want to say that the antidote to being of little faith is having less faith. And more faith. Is getting to know God better. And the more we know Him, the more we can trust Him. Oh, for the day when we know God so clearly and so well that we find Him trustworthy in every, every bit of our lives. The way to know someone, to trust someone better, is to know them better. Who, who in the church has been married the longest? John, Delphine, how long have you been married? How long have you been married? 31 years. Can anyone beat 31 years? 43 years. Ria? 52 years. Now, I'm hoping that Graham and Rhea trust each other even more than John and Delphine. John and Delphine go, nah. Which is a bit of a slight at Graham and Rhea. But, but I wonder whether after 50 years they haven't learned more about each other and know to trust each other. I'm not saying you don't trust each other. I'm just saying you don't have 50 years of getting to know something. Of course, we're humans, and humans aren't always trustworthy. Sometimes there's nothing in their hand. 
Graham's smiling there, thinking about himself, I'm sure. Another antidote for being of little faith is actually stepping out of the boat. It's not saying, I'm not saying we should ignore what we know. I'm saying risk trusting Jesus. Peter, Peter didn't get out of the boat going, well, I'm 100% sure now. He got out of the boat and he was still doubting and he was walking and he was doubting and he was actually just stepping out. And he found that Jesus proved himself faithful. Why do you think this is recorded in the Bible? Maybe two reasons to show us that Jesus really was working in the power of God. But I wonder whether most of the story isn't about us and about Peter and about learning to trust God even when we have questions. We are not better than the disciples. We're not even better than the disciples who saw Jesus risen from the dead. They spent three years with him. They did amazing things with him. They saw him do amazing things. They saw him transfigured. They saw him crucified. They saw him buried. They saw him raised. They saw the the marks in his hands. And then one day Jesus says to them, Okay, go to this mountain. I'm going to meet you there in Galilee. And they go there and they see Jesus And they fall to the ground and they are worshipping him. And it's this incredible moment. It's like, like, I don't know, this morning I have a flu, so I was singing like this. But they were just like this awe. Awesome is a word we use too much. But it was awesome. They were in awe of Jesus there, Matthew 28. The end, the climax of the whole of Matthew's story of Jesus. And Matthew looks at this and he records it for us and he says, They fell down and some doubted. Again, same, exactly the same word as is used of Jesus to Peter in Matthew chapter 14. It's the only two times the word is used, that particular word for doubt. Why did you hesitate, Peter? Why did you doubt? They worshipped him and some hesitated, some doubted. And it's not like this was unique. Do you remember when the disciples, when Jesus was buried and then resurrected from the dead, the first people to find out was the woman. And they went to the tomb and they ran back to the disciples with the exciting news that Jesus was alive. And the men were sitting there and they said to the woman, You guys are nuts. Doesn't work that way. Thomas, our friend Thomas. Jesus appears to all of the disciples. Thomas is going, he wasn't there that, that moment. And he comes a bit later and they're telling him this amazing story. And he looks at them and says, you guys have been at the schnapps again, haven't you? It doesn't work this way until I see it for myself. This is not abnormal that some of them doubt. This is normal. I'm not saying doubt it. I'm saying love the fact that they doubted it because it adds weight to their evidence for us. <coughs> we have here a bunch of disciples 
who are convinced enough that Jesus says, meet me here, that they actually go. At some point they're going, well, Jesus must be alive because I'm going to meet him. I believe this. They arrive there, they fall down, they worship. And some doubt. And you read some commentators and they try and say, okay, it's a different group of people doubting and this one. I don't know. I look at that and I go, they were there, maybe more than the twelve, but they were there, they worshipped, and some of them doubted. Almost finished. I realize our time is gone. You doubt that I'm going to finish soon. What their doubts were, we're not told precisely. Maybe, how can this be? Is it really Jesus? Should I be worshipping him? Isn't God alone to be worshipped? What am I doing here? And yet they worshipped. All of them worshipped and some of them doubted. And, and you've got to ask the question, how did Matthew know about the doubters? Because afterwards they went to each other and went, wow, that was an incredible time of worshipping Jesus, but you know, I wasn't quite sure. While I was on my knees going, you were amazing, Jesus, I was like, I think. They talked about it. Maybe Matthew was one of them, I don't know. <coughs> but notice Jesus doesn't have a go at the doubters. You notice what Jesus says to these doubting worshippers is actually, I've got all authority and I'm sending you out to make disciples. No, no, not, not you. Only the ones who worship without doubt, because they, they, they got it all together. The rest of you remedial cots for a week. Now Jesus looks at them and says, I'm sending you to the ends of the earth. You doubting worshippers. Isn't that amazing? Anyone here ever doubt? This is for you. I love the fact. Anyone ever ever doubt? I'm not going to put my hand up high in the air because somebody might see. I can tell you now, you cannot attain certainty by an act of your willpower. In fact, absolute certainty is impossible for us. We are finite creatures. How do you know that we are not in the matrix? That you didn't exist five minutes ago and that you are not some giant computer simulation. Well, you don't know, do you? Your memories might all be fake. I don't know. Well, you didn't exist yesterday morning. <laughs> That's ridiculous, isn't it? That's ridiculous on the basis of what I know. On the basis of the evidence that is there. See, that, that's, that's what we answer doubt with, is evidence. And even though we can't be certain because we are not God like Jesus, we can still choose to trust him. Faith is just trust. Faith is just trust. It's the same word, faith and trust. Base it on evidence. Even when you don't have all the evidence. We can use our doubts as an impetus to search out the truth. When we have questions, we can go, that's a great question. I want to find out about that. And so you're going to ask. Can we know that there is a God? Yes, we can know that there is.
ways of God. There's some beautiful people who bright, clever Australians, but Christians. Can we know that Jesus rose from the dead? The historical evidence is overwhelming. Is the evidence for us beyond a shadow of a doubt? Well, no, it's not. We, we weren't actually there. We didn't see Jesus for ourselves. We have to trust based on the evidence. Is the evidence worth trusting? I would say yes. There is sufficient evidence for us to step out of the boat. We have to admit we don't know everything there is to know. We simply can't. We are not God. Doubts will always be with us until we know, until we see God face to face. The question is not whether you doubt. The question is whether you choose to trust. You see, Jesus doesn't... Well, he cares that you doubt. He wants to address that. But, but Jesus doesn't say, I'm only going to use you when you have certainty. Jesus says, I'm going to use you when you bow the knee to me. I can work with your doubts. I'm bigger than those. I'm stronger than that. As long as you're still following me, that is what So, go home today. You might go home going, yeah, that's nice, Nick, but you don't understand how deep my doubts are. Hey, you're not that unique. You're not that unique. Have a chat. Have a chat to myself, have a chat to Mark. Um, I will say I'm a doubting Christian at times. Mark, do you have a doubt? Let me ask your wife. Dean, does Mark have a doubt? Of course he does. And can I tell you a secret? If you struggle with doubt, the people you want to speak to are not those who say, I never doubt, because they're just going to make you feel really bad about yourself. And they're probably lying. But come and speak to one of us. We'll have a pray, we'll have a talk. But at some point, decide, are you going to stay in the boat? until the storm tips you over or you're going to get out and say, on the basis of what I know, I will trust. Our last song this morning is uh, a, Before the Throne of God Above. What makes God love us is not our certainty, but our trust in Him. In fact, that doesn't make God love us. What makes God love us is that just God loves us. God's Lord. Before the throne of God above, you have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love. But right now, is standing and pleading before the throne of God for you. And saying... God, you know that person is really struggling with that question, that doubt, that issue, that whatever it is, would you hold them, would you reach out, would you grab them? Your name, if you have trusted Jesus, if you have got out of the boat, your name is written on his heart, on his hands, and he loves you. Let's see.